This is Drop Tent Media Network. How you doing? This is Neil Wood from the Cult of Us podcast, speaking on behalf of Drop Tent Media Network, the network you're currently listening to. Make sure to check out all the other podcasts on the network. You can go to drop10.com to check them all out. Make sure to like, subscribe on everything that you see Drop 10 on. We appreciate it. Go to drop10.com now. Hey, we have an amazing episode with a fellow TikToker, musician, uh, uh, undocumented individual, and just a real powerhouse. Gay joins the show. Uh, they talk about, you know, uh, how they got to the U.S., their family worked for who, how they used their music to, you know, show self-love about being black, being an immigrant, being an LGBTQIA member. Uh, seriously, this conversation was f- uh, so wide in, in topics, but so important in so many ways. Uh, I love talking to them, and I know you're going to love listening to them. Check it out. Uh, my undocumented ass podcast with Che Guerrero. The winds really change talk. in one direction. They gotta harass someone else. I get it. I exactly. get it. Like people don't realize like, how just one little access can literally change a whole family's life. Enge, Enge, right? I'm saying that right. Enge, Enge. I'm sorry. I'm terrible with names. Uh, fellow TikToker, love love your stuff. Love your work. So it was just a pleasure for me to reach out. And be like, hey, I'd love to do your you know your podcast about you know the undocumented experience. Um. Cause I didn't, I didn't know you, you know, you had the same situation going on, you know, that's the thing about us, man. We're like, we're, we're, we're workers. We're trying to make the best out of a bad situation. And also, you know, we have to live in the shadows. So every time I see you, I was like, ah, oh, this, this musician living or living their best life, pardon me, living their best life. So I was just like, okay, like, but, um, but yeah, but thank you for reaching out. Thank you for having me. I'm honestly shocked that you would ask me to be, um, on your show. I, I love what you do. I think, the first video of yours I actually saw was you like calling out or denouncing some white supremacists. I was like, yeah, this is the type of content I would like to see on TikTok. So I followed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I love your work. It's Thank great. you. Thank you. And it's, uh, it's, it's always, it's always nice to meet people like on this level. Cause like, you know, the personalities that we give off on TikTok, like is always a little different. Like people are like, you're so angry. I'm like, actually like I'm a comedian. Like I'm actually a really happy dude. Like it's just, you know, yeah. I hate dumb white people. Like what do you want me to say? You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, just like you, a lot of people perceive me to be like this angry, like a black woman stereotype, but then they meet me in person and I'm completely different. So it is very nice to meet you kind of outside of that realm as well. Yeah, it's nice to meet you as well uh, outside of that realm. Uh, yeah, I got I got, I got, got a lot of stuff because I, you know, I've, I've stitched your videos when people have really come at you for, yeah, just, you know, just for the color of your skin. And you, you've responded in ways that I'm just like, thank you for, because, you know, before TikTok, you know, we, we didn't have the voice to stand up. We didn't have the space to stand up for ourselves when people say like that. So we kind of just have to like, Feel like we're just yelling to the ether or whatever so now it's a little more like hey i get to like engage with the person who's saying this you know so it's a lot more powerful um but let's, yeah tell me a little bit like i always like to go like you know how did it happen like what's your story where are you from like how, why'd your family come here like we could share we could share we could start with that trauma we could share that trauma to begin with sure so funny story my parents were employed by the world health organization so i spent a little bit of time traveling the world Um, that's how I ended up in the United States. So I've lived all over the African continent, all over Europe. Um, and I moved here in 2014. My dad got transferred to the Pan American Health Organization. So 
you know, family is well off. It's not like the typical story of like immigrating because of war or seeking asylum. Um, but I fell into the situation I'm in because I stopped going to school. So I fell uh -oh. out of status for personal reasons, you know, mental health and whatnot. And so I've been out of status since 2020. Whoa. And so I've had to um, kind of figure out, you know, the ropes of like, okay, I'm an adult now. How do I make my own money? Okay. Um, under, under the table jobs, um, I'm still kind of learning um, what all of that entails, but it's really difficult for, for people. I've gotten acquainted with, with um, other undocumented people such as myself. And I can safely say that I am in a better position because like I acknowledge my my uh, privilege still living with my parents who do have their documentation so I'm kind of just like in a very um special situation for lack of yeah. a better term yeah I yeah. mean that's that's the thing that we always have to like you know really uh, tell people you know a lot of us live in mixed status households mm -hmm. you know like our parents may have something or they may not and then you know we have one brother that was born here so they think they're better than everyone else uh, <laughs> you know so you have you have that mixed status situation you know what I mean yeah Where, uh, so so damn but that's crazy so your parents uh they were able to get status through their work yes um so they are on visas so we all moved here with G4 visas okay. through the Pan American Health Organization. And then after my dad left uh, Pajo, he retired. We all shifted, or my siblings and I shifted to F1, which is student visa holders. And so my parents had to come in on like tourist visas. So come in for six months, then leave and then come back in just to be able to like live in the same household. That's how tourist visas work. You have to like leave the country and then come back so you don't, it's weird. It's weird. Um, cause all of us stay under one roof, um, in order to kind of save money for like school. Cause a lot of us are in school. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the situation in my house right now. You know, that's actually, uh, and I'm sorry you guys are going through that, but that's such a, such a unique thing because like, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, you know, yeah, most people that I talk to, you know, are like, you know, their families were farm workers and they kept coming back and forth a lot. And some people kind of believe like education will kind of or, you know, a certain status will get you out of the immigration system. Like your parents are very educated people who are working with who, uh, so, <laughs> you know, and it's like and now and they're still don't have a pathway to a status or anything like that's crazy. No, none at all. It's actually it's crazy because we've been here for over a decade and you would think after 10 years you could apply for a um, a green card or something. But because we were here on diplomatic visas, it's a little bit different. Um, they don't oh. there isn't a clear path to citizenship through that. Um, the only clear path is to marry a nice little, you know, American boy <laughs> or girl or non-binary person yeah. and get your green card that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even for my parents, you know, who have been here like legally, even though nobody is illegal on stolen land. Exactly. Thank um, you. But yeah, it's it's so weird. <laughs> it's so no. strange. Like it's 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 insane, especially like yeah, especially uh where, where is what's what's home though? What is what is home? Equatorial Guinea. I'm from Equatorial Guinea. That's um the only African country that has Spanish as an official language. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's why you speak Spanish. That's I why you, I, I speak were, Spanish. I thought for some reason, honestly, I thought you were like either like Ecuadorian or Dominican. 
Like, so that's why <laughs> I'm African and proud to be. Oh, and they speak Spanish and Guinea. I didn't know that. That's yeah. amazing. But uh, so yeah, so so since 2024 now status, like you just uh just yeah, just I'm unable to kind of like secure any kind of status or anything. Mm-mm. Literally, I've spoken to lots of immigration lawyers. I've um, opted to apply for the O-1 visa, which is, I think, um, a visa given to people who have extraordinary artistic abilities, mm-hmm. which I I feel like I am eligible for. But because I've been out of status for several years, that could present an issue. They'll be like, OK, what were you doing from 2020 to 2024? Well, we're, why were you here illegally? So they could deny the visa that way. But the clear pathway for me would be literally marriage. That's it. And that's still and people think that's that's the end all be all. Sometimes, yeah. you know, things can still happen with with applying. Yeah. You know, I've I've tried that and, you know, had to find out like, you know, your partner has to make substantial amount of money in order to feel like they, you know, they can provide for you, that you're not right. going to be a burden right. to the country. Like it's 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 insane. It really is. It really is. And um but like you're still been doing your music. That's sort of like your main thing, your main focus. It it was until I started taking social media seriously. So I am an influencer. I hate that word, but I'm an influencer now. So, um, yeah, that's that's what's been my bread and butter for the past couple of months. That is sort of like the good and the bad about what we do. It's like, you know, like with an ITIN number, I can be a content creator as well. So that's where it's like a little easier for me to, I don't really have to find a job, mm-hmm. you know, but when I didn't have my status, like it was, it was, it was nothing but fake papers, you know, and that's kind of what's ruined my chance of becoming a citizen now mm. is that I, uh, I lied in a bunch of tax forms in order to be, you know, to be able to, uh, to work as a nursing assistant to like just clean people, which is what I did during the pandemic. And for me during the pandemic was when I found out that the government like found out about like the things I did when I was 19 so they, you know, they want to take away my status. They want to like, you know, deport me. So I'm in like, I'm in a really like, like limbo place right now that I don't know where my life is going to go in the next, next May. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you, you know, you know how it is. Like it's legit. You go to lawyers, you go to lawyers, you go to lawyers. And sometimes they just don't have an answer for you. They're just like, you know, you got to get married. I'm like, I already did that. And like, you know. Or what I did, there's no like waiver for it, mm. you know. So there's there's no way to dismiss that. So it's just like you make one mistake and that's it. Like for you, like you know, you were taking care of your health and you decided to like you know stop schooling, but you've already like your parents again were professionals. You've you you've came here with a you know a tourist visa. You came here with the F you know the 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 student visa. None of that matters to them. Yeah, it really doesn't. And um, I've been finding or looking for ways to kind of justify my absence from school and just like justify why I've been out of status and nothing really would, you know, make sense to those people (laughs) Um, at all, which is sad. But yeah, it's just the rules here, I guess you have to abide by. Yeah. Which is like uh, kind of uh, actually it's funny. this episode will drop after the one that's going to drop this week. Uh, but we're, I'm actually working with an organization right now to try and get Biden to give work permits to 11 million undocumented people so they can work, you know, so they don't have to, 
be in this limbo situation. So this is like a like another like are you because this is gonna be in front of a, in front of a the White House on November fourteenth. If you're around, you know November fourteenth, like come join the march because work permits for all is 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 the only thing right now that's even like giving some people hope in DC. Yeah, in DC on November. Yeah, 14th. I, I live in the DMV, so I will be there. Yeah. I'll, so, I'll, what day of the week is that? I'm so sorry to interrupt. No, hey, no, please. We're talking about this. This is great. This is going to be on the 14th of November. Tuesday. Uh, yeah, but the good thing is, like, you know, if you're hearing this episode after the rally happens and everything, um, this is going to be an ongoing campaign. This is going to be an ongoing thing until Biden's out of office to try and get him to keep his promise to give, you know, undocumented people. Uh, a pathway to something at this point we're not even we're not even really like man you can't do citizenship how about work permits you know what i mean mm -hmm. like we got to settle for something mm -hmm. so that's what we're gonna do we're asking for uh for work permits okay that that's that's good i i what is the name of this organization it's called the rest the resurrection project the they're resurrection the ones project. yeah they're the ones leading the cause and everything and i'll put you in touch with them you know since you're also a content creator and you can get the word out and uh Absolutely. You know, if you're there, we can make a few videos together to really um, push this out. And even after, like I said, even after the 14th, uh, this is going to be an ongoing campaign because we know we're going to show up the 14th in front of the White House. But we know Biden is is going to be like, oh, let's do this today. Mm. You know, he's going to be like, I'll get to it later, Jack. Yeah, Stop, it's going to you know? take some substantial effort to really get him to act on that. Um, but it's a great initiative. Um, thank you for letting me know about it. I will definitely be there. I live in Maryland. It's yeah. about 30 minutes from D.C. So absolutely. Perfect. That, that's where we'll meet up and we'll get, we'll get this movement going because like, yeah, like we just we just want to work, man. We just want to yeah. like, you know, and, and you see all the all the stuff that's getting in your way. Like you can't even leave. You can't no. leave the country. I can't at all. And and it impedes so much on what I do for a living. The the social media work and the the music like I had, you know, an amazing opportunity through TikTok to just like blow up in different countries in Latin America. And I would like to go perform for my supporters, but I'm unable to do that because I can't leave the country. I can go, but then I can't re-enter. Um, and then like going back home is not an option, um, either because, um, I don't know how familiar you are with my content, but I'm very outspoken and passionate about LGBTQ rights. And I come from a very homophobic country. Mm. And, um, during pride month, I again, expressed my love and support to the community that I'm also a part of and, vice president said some things about me the so, vice president <laughs> yeah on twitter what did they say so let me just give you yeah let me fill the whole yeah so i literally like made an edit or uh yeah an edit of my country's flag and the lgbtqia flag so i added our emblem to it and posted it on um, International Queer Day. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Um, and my caption read to all of the Equatoguinean LGBTQ people living in Equatorial Guinea, I know how difficult it is living in a place like that. I see, you know, just the tip of the iceberg of things people say about us online. And I can't imagine living through that in person. So, um, you know, just a supportive post. And it went mega viral back home. Um, I was getting death threats. I was getting just like 
all the hate you could ever imagine. I had to take a break from social media for, for a couple of weeks because it was just that bad. Mm. Um, and if you look my name up on really any social media platform, you will see the things that people were saying about me. And um, people were so persistent with tagging our vice president in those posts that he ended up posting about it and basically called the flag an abomination. Um, and whoever posted it or made it will, would be dealt with. <laughs> um, yeah. What, what petrifying. Honor. I mean, petrifying, but what an honor. Yeah. Like you pissed off the vice president. I did indeed. You did something right. Like, you know what I mean? Like when I, you know, when I piss off white, white Trump supporters, I'm like, oh, I did something right. Oh, I did mm-hmm. something right. Like it's, it's not too many times you could actually be like, everybody get to his, his TikTok. Look what this idiot's yeah. saying. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you, you, um, you know, this is the kind of things that, the, that the immigration system is like, do you have a reasonable fear of going back home? It's like, yeah, I, I do. do. Especially as a person of a, you know, a group that's not protected, you know, LGBTQ members are not protected, especially now that you're like a face of this flag. Yeah. Yeah. So f- I'm sorry. Now say, how you feel? How do I feel? Yeah. Um, I feel, you know, I feel powerful. Honestly, I feel like an edit I made on my iPad just randomly one day was was able to generate that kind of reaction. I'm doing something right. Just like you said, when you you make the commentary and you're able to upset exactly who you were trying to, it lets mm-hmm. you know that the message is being received by the people it was supposed to receive. So, um, I mean, I feel powerful. I feel like I can do anything. Um, but I am scared. I am very afraid for my family back home. Oh. Um, I am very afraid for the LGBTQ community back home because since that post was made, there has been an uptick in, um, you know, LGBTQ phobic violence. Hmm. Um, one of the co-founders of the only LGBTQ organization back home was actually imprisoned um for supporting me but she was released i think the next day but just stuff like that is just really scary to me um as you know the first amendment rights we have here in the united states we don't have that you know that's unheard of you say anything against the the regime and Mm -hmm. you disappear or you have to leave the country you know um so that's the type of situation I'm in as well. Cause I really could just go home and, and, you know, do the music thing and the social media thing, but I don't know. The United States just hits different. There's more access here, regardless yeah. of, you know, all of the negative uh, things, you know, there's negativity everywhere. There, there are always. Yeah. So, but the, you know, I've been able to achieve so much in the 10 years that I've lived here. Um, that I could never have done living in Equatorial Guinea, you know. So I'm scared, but I am empowered at the same time. I'm scared, but I'm empowered at the same time. It's exactly, exactly how I feel. You know, it's it's the same thing with me. You know, I'm very, uh, you know, very loud about, you know, injustices and the immigration system. And, and I do have even, you know, 
the kid who grew up undocumented and everything that I have going on with my status, like I'm still able to exercise my first amendment right. And, you know, yeah, be a force of good for my community and, and, you know, and live with a sort of sense of safety. Like I am, you know, still afraid for my, for my situation and my family and things like that. Cause you know, I do have a lot of like, you know, people online, like I'm going to make my mission to destroy you. And I'm like, wow, that much time on me, huh? Like, I don't even, uh, you know what I mean? But, uh, but, but I, I don't know if I do go back to the Dominican Republic and I have the same sort of, you know, you know, attitude, if it's gonna, you know, be even worse for my safety, because like, you know, I know right now in Dominican Republic, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's always been a lot of hatred towards Haitians, but there's more like, let's close off the border. Let's take away Haitian citizenship. Let's, you know, uh, let's take control of the river that Haiti uses to, well, Haiti's actually trying to fully have control of the river that flows through both countries, you know, as a way to ensure their own crop su survives and stuff. So there's like all this hatred towards Haitians. And I don't know if I, if I was back home, I don't, I would not be quiet about it. I'd be very anti my own people and be like, what you guys doing? It's disgusting. You know, we're two nations on this tiny Island, you know? So also there could be, I, I wouldn't have the same privileges as I do here. But at the same time, you know, like this country's keeping me and my family undocumented in, in various statuses. And, you know, and and so it's, yeah, it's it's such a duality of being mm -hmm. here as an immigrant. It really is. And it's kind of like you have to pick the lesser of two evils in a sense. It's like, what makes more sense in the moment? Does it make more sense for me to live in a country where I can't work and or live somewhere? I don't know. I feel like it's just as bad in both places, honestly. Um, yeah. But wow. I, so I didn't know you were Dominican. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. We got a lot of flag. We got a lot of flag for us. I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know, but I hate those generalizations. I really, I don't like them. Um, I forget what comedian it was that went viral for saying, um, me no black. Me Dominican or something like that. Like, oh, but I think it might have been my buddy Nico White. He uh, he had a joke about he's like I, I'm no I'm I'm no black I'm Dominican. I speak yeah, Spanish is a language, Poppy. It's not yeah. a yeah. It's Nico. It's Nico yeah. White. A friend of mine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it was him who uh, popularized that, and it just became its whole own thing. Um, yeah. But no, I don't I don't like those generalizations yeah. at all because like not like one group of people does not represent an entire like ethnicity, an entire yeah. nationality. So, yeah. yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. No, it, and it is, it is true. Like, you know, um, you know, we're not a monolith. We're not all like, you know, the same as well. Like I personally hate it when people are these days, like so openly uh, hostile towards Venezuelans. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, you know, they see people sleep in the streets of New York and they're like, Oh, these Venezuelans don't want to work. These Venezuelans don't want to. And you're like, you guys are getting like five or six stories from 300 people online, you know, that are being, you know, five or six people are like, ah, oh, man, this country, everything's expensive. Da -da -da, you know, fuck this place. And then everybody online uses that clip of that one Venezuelan guy. Be like, Look at this ungrateful motherfucker. And you just like, you know, that guy's just voicing his opinion. Like he doesn't yeah. speak for all Venezuelan people here in the U.S. trying to work. Right, exactly. And I, I also feel like people just don't know what the socio-political climate is like in Venezuela as well. They just speak from a place of ignorance. Yeah. Um, I wish people would, would open Google or Bing or something yeah, 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 and yeah. Stuff up before they, they type whatever they have to type. But yeah, common sense is not common nowadays. 
<laughs> Especially if you grow. I mean, I grew up in the public school system in the U.S. So I mean, you might be a little luckier growing up in like you know other school systems and 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 learning a little bit more about the U.S. Because over here, it's very much like you don't learn growing up that the U.S. did anything wrong in other countries. You know what I mean? You you learn about like you learn about the Revolutionary War, uh, Civil War a little bit. You know what I mean? World War Two, MLK, Obama today. You know what I mean? Like that's all you learn. You don't learn about. What happened anywhere in between that or how the U.S. was destabilizing countries, how they have 800 bases around the world that is basically to maintain their global superpower. Like, you don't hear about none of that growing up. So that's why most people just think like, oh, Latin America is in disarray because they don't know how to govern. It's like, no, nah, man, it's your government destabilized all these places. And this is the effects of years of military intervention, climate change, everything. People want to... people especially U.S. citizens, like, this is, like, why U.S. citizens take it so much, like, you're jealous of us. You just want to come here and have what we have. And I'm like, that is the most narcissistic answer to global issues is you're jealous of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, hey, they have their reasoning. Um, they feel like, well, you guys come here for, for a reason. Yes, because your country disenfranchised ours. And now yeah. all of the resources are here. So where am I going to go to where the resources and the opportunities are? Yeah. And, and it happens in really any Western country. Like I've heard the same narrative in Spain. I've heard the same oh. narrative in Switzerland where I used to live as well. And it's like, mm. yeah. <laughs> like yeah. why are there so many black people in Paris? Because <laughs> France is stealing Congolese Gabonese, Cameroonian resources. So Cameroonians, Gabonese people, Congolese people have to go up there to, you know, eat a little bit of the pie yeah. that was stolen literally from them. Um, free Congo, by the way. Yeah, free Congo, by the way. I, I just made a small little update about what's going on there and, you know, got to keep Crazy. up on it. But yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, millions of people are displaced and killed all for lithium. And, you know, you don't hear about any of that. You, you're yeah. only hearing about everybody hyper-focused on one conflict and, and, you know, yeah. cause when it's, uh, you know, it's black bodies, the media is exactly quiet. Exactly. And that, and the crazy part about that is this has been ongoing for decades at mm -hmm. this point forever. I lived in the Congo for 10 years and living there, you get to witness a lot of this firsthand. We actually left because of the conflict over there it was getting really, really bad. That's wow. why my dad applied for a job out here in the United States. It was so bad. Like our our school got shot up by like military and stuff. I was like, yeah, we need to get out of here. It was really, really bad. But um, wow. Yeah, man, there's conflict you've everywhere. Gotten, you've gotten to see a lot of the global issues working yeah. well traveling with your parents through who because they're they're dealing with like outbreaks and stuff like that in different countries. Was that was sort of what they were chasing? Not what do you mean by outbreaks? Like, well, well, uh, World Health Organization. So what was their exact roles? Like, were they working with any kind of like, because when I think of World Health Organization, I think of like, you know, like a SARS outbreak or COVID outbreak or anything yes. like that. That's kind of like, so they were just going to different countries sort of dealing with like outbreaks or anything like that? Yes and no. So my dad was stationed or based in Brazzaville, which is the um, regional office for Africa. And what he did was manage the budget for the people who would actually go out to manage the outbreak. So he was kind of like a higher up, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but if I mean, my dad was an, is is or was as it was an exceptional person at his job, which is why he got relocated so many times. They needed him in Switzerland, then they needed him in Harare, Zimbabwe, then they needed him in Congo. So that's why we kind of moved around a lot or so much. So you got to see, like, you went into these countries while they were dealing with issues, like, so you got to see sort of what the effects are of these situations, you know, because you know, like, a lot of these you know, health issues that countries may face or things like that are also, you know, due to a lack of resources, yes. you know? So that's why, you know, lack of information, lack of infrastructure for these things to be in place. Mm -hmm. So you got to see a lot of the, you know, colonized, the effects of colonization and now these organizations being like, you know, well, we created these organizations to help out with all the issues we did. It's like uh, a Band-Aid to, 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 to the gush, you know, that, that's coming out. Yeah, but the Band-Aid is supplied by the countries that are literally like tearing these places apart. Like yeah. the United Nations, I have a bone to pick with them. Like, mm. it, it, I, <laughs> I have Let's a do bone. It. Let's go viral. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to probably for a private conversation because my dad okay. is still affiliated, you know? Okay. So, um, but no, um, there's just, uh, Jay, there's so much like these WHO, um, employees literally taking advantage of the people they're there to help. And then, but, uh, so in the middle of all this traveling, all these different countries and everything, because I know you also like as a musician. So tell us a little bit about that in the song is, is the song that like you've gotten like a lot of notoriety, notoriety for is Negra. Yes, it was first Maya Moi and, but Negra really took it to the moon that went yeah. Apollo. Um, yeah. tell us a little but... bit about both of those and like and a little bit of your career. Sure. Um, so I started singing very early, around six years old. Um, I come from a very musical family. My mom was a musician. It's actually kind of famous back home. Every time we go back, like people are like, oh, my God, is that? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I started singing super early, writing songs, uh, diary entries turned into songs. I picked up a guitar. I would sing it like talent shows, but I never really took it seriously because my parents, African parents, were very adamant on me being academics driven and academics focused. You're going to be, you're going to be a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer. <laughs> so <laughs> that is the route I pretended to go. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah. I met other musicians. Um, think in the eighth grade that took me to my first like professional recording studio so I recorded a song there the rest is history but I decided to take music seriously in 2019 actually after a breakup I was like mm. I am literally wallowing in like the worst depression ever I need to do something with myself let me focus on something I've always been passionate about my music so within a year of that happening, I was able to open for Burna Boy. I um, went on Voice of America, like stuff like that, that happened. I was like, oh my God, um, you know, putting forth effort is is actually, I'm actually seeing results. So let me just keep going. Um, but I really didn't start getting any recognition until I started speaking in Spanish because people were so intrigued with like a black girl 
singing in Spanish. Like, oh my God, mm. like, okay. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but then uh, I dropped my emoi in 2020. It didn't make much noise internationally, but my my countrymen loved it because I sing in Fang, which is my um, indigenous language. So that was mm. doing a little bit of something in Equatorial Guinea. I got nominated for a national award for best uh, Afrobeat song that year. I think 2020 or 2021. Wow. Um, but it didn't really do much until I opened a TikTok account. And every single video I posted was about the song. I would do like transformation videos, transitions, dance videos and stuff. And it started picking up along with receiving racist comments from my lovely Latin American brothers and sisters calling me, comparing my skin tone literally to caca. Like, so I would respond that would go viral. I would take advantage of the virality to then promote the song. And that's how I got the, the ball rolling on that. Um, first song to reach, I think a hundred thousand streams of mine, but then, um, I received a comment that just said negra under a video that had literally nothing to do with anything. I was like, you know what? I'm going to respond to this in song. Well, cause mm. why not? So I, I wrote, que problema tienes tu con mi color de piel. Si soy negra, pero sangro rojo también. And that thing blew up. I think it's at like 7 million views right now. So I was like, oh shit, I need to make this into an actual song. Yeah. So I did filmed a really simple music video in my friend's like uh, studio, um, low budget with my siblings and some of my good friends. And yeah, um, that thing, that song got me recognized all over like the place in, in pre predominantly Spanish speaking countries um, like Colombia, um, Dominican Republic and um yeah, so that's where I'm at now. I've released songs since then, but they haven't really done much as or as much as I would like because they have been about like my gender identity and the LGBTQ community. And I understand that the LGBTQ community is not widely accepted in Spanish-speaking countries or just mm -hmm. globally. And that's something I had to learn the hard way <laughs> yeah. because like... And I feel like I'm rambling now, but like... No, no, no. You're, you're beautifully explaining your experience. Um, I will correct somebody when they misgender me and they will like go off on me. Like all, all you have to do is go to my comment section to see and I'll like politely correct them and they'll be like, well, I'm going to call you what you look like. You're a she. You look like a she. I'm going to call you a she. And I'm just like, okay. Damn. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's fine. Um, I'm just not going to entertain that or I'll do my best not to entertain that. But mm -hmm. um, I've just seen that stuff pertaining to race and ethnicity tends to do really well on the TikTok platform. Yeah. Um, and I haven't quite figured out why that is. I think maybe it might be because people are not too well versed on it or it's just like controversial to talk about race um because different like race races are politicized or i don't know I, yeah. I i'm just speculating here but no i uh no i feel the same way you know i used to do my uh my breaking news which is a little more calm it was like like the daily show which was like you know about the news but comedy 
And the videos that would go the most viral was when I was like making fun of a white person's stupidity, you know, which was great. But it was just, like it just became like a lot of work to like when I do comedy, my comedy is a little more like, you know, let's let's try to be a little more inclusive. Let's you know, let's like with me with stand up, you know, when I make fun of white people in my act, it's more like it's like you guys know you're silly, right? Like you guys know you're silly. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I, I come out, people come off stage, like come coming up to me. Like when I perform the Midwest, you know, they'd be like, Hey man, you know, I really don't like undocumented people, but I like you. And I'm like, all right, well, we're starting with one. You know what I mean? Like take that love you have for me and just imagine that we're all this kind and nice and we all just want to work hard and, and live a good life, you know? So I'm mm -hmm. like a starting point, but on TikTok, it's like, yeah, unless you're like a baby eating a lemon for the first time, like that's the only joy that like TikTok will show you. And then the rest will just be like hatred and visceral, you know, like like really nasty stuff. We just like I'm trying to like stay true to how I feel about things, but also still try and like leave an opening to be like, look, we can you guys are doing this, white people, but there is a chance for redemption. And and the videos have not been doing that well. You know what I mean? Unless I'm like straight up venom. It's it's not it's not gonna do well. Yeah, but, you know, and it messes me up. It messes me up a little bit because like you know, we're very nice people. You know, I really don't hold hatred in my heart towards anyone. I just I just hold a lot of knowledge of what's happened, and I am peeved by the way things are. But hating someone directly just because they're white? No, I don't do that. Yeah. Do you feel like you have to keep pumping out that that type of content in order to reach more people or get the views that you desire? You know, I stopped. There was a, a sort of like an addiction to it of like searching for that next viral video and really like coming down on someone. You know what I mean? But I've like I said, I've kind of have stepped back a little bit and it's more like, what is the intent that I'm trying to get? Forget the views, forget the cloud, forget going the, you know, getting the followers to go up or anything like that. Like, don't worry about that. Like, what is it exactly that I want to represent on this app? And it is like, you know, I am, from what I see, one of the few creators who will literally be like, look at this fucking white person. Like, <laughs> I don't sugarcoat it. I'm like, look at this white person. And it is like, I I make the video when I genuinely like feel like, hey, this person has really gone out of line. Like they're using their privilege there and we just got to call it out for what it is. But that's why I'm trying to do more things like go to marches and and give speeches and post those, do this podcast, try to humanize immigrant experience put that up, you know, I am writing for the last month, I've been more inspired than ever to write stand-up comedy about, you know, um, my children who have autism and how scared I am of getting deported because, you know, they need me, you know, and they won't get the resources that they would in their country. So it's more like I'm trying to figure out more ways to bring a little bit of joy to what I do and a little bit of hope, you know, to be like, look, there's people out here doing rallies. There's people out here, you know, uh, existing every day with this issue of their status you know we all just want to work so it's so yeah the views have kind of gone down but i like the mission a lot better you know oh, good good i i can definitely relate to that because at first i was like you know what the whole i kind of lost sight of why i got on tiktok to begin with which was to promote my music mm -hmm. but then those first couple viral videos came to me responding to a comment of somebody saying like oh you're pretty to be a black girl or something like that and be like wait wait and I got addicted to that just like you said and I just saw myself over like the span of a year 
doing that over and over, just responding to negativity. And that's what my account became. And I felt like, whoa, what happened to the plot of the movie? Like, <laughs> um, so then, yeah, like I tried to dial back a little bit and yeah. like people didn't give a shit about like who I was. They just wanted to see me angry because mm -hmm. like that's what they followed me for. That's the only really content of mine that the TikTok algorithm will show them because yeah. that's the only type of content they interact with. So I had to like take a break, first of all, decide, okay, what is my goal? Like, what am I trying to do? Just like you, I like the, the, the mission of course is to promote, um, inclusivity and self-love for black people, because I know how difficult it is to live in a, an inherently anti-black world. It is so easy to fall into self-deprecation and self-hate and, um, I think the message I want to push through even like songs like Negra, like beauty and, and, and confidence, you know, in, in black women and, uh, you know, just people of color and also like just loving what, like radical self-love, like doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter where you come from. Yes, white people as well. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, so I had to dial back and just like reformat everything I do. But yeah, the, the views being low definitely sucks. It sucks. Because like as an influencer, brands will pay you according to your views. And it's mm. like, I feel like I'm missing out on mega bags. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, you know, you know how it is as an artist, you're especially, yeah. you're, you're like me, you're, you're a radical artist. Yeah. So, you know, we are a lot harder to companies have, have a, companies don't know what to do with us or they're afraid to work with us because we're so polarizing, which, which sucks because we're not polarizing. We're just unapologetically ourselves, mm -hmm. but we're, we're polarizing to, 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 to the decision makers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. But, um, I don't know if I can talk about this. I think by the time this is out, it it would have happened, but I feel like it's definitely paying off like the work I'm doing, you know, um, Zillow invited me to speak on like my experience as a Hispanic African person, just from the rants from TikTok. Yeah. So it's like, it's definitely paying off. It's just gonna, I feel like take a little bit more time. Yeah. Um, then you know the person that's you know chasing the views and stuff like that so yeah, yeah. no you it's very admirable what you're doing i like i i think i expressed this at the beginning i'm a fan i love your content i think it's also really brave to like speak about this stuff openly because it's like the reason why i never really did is because oh my god like am i gonna get deported is somebody gonna go show this to like ice or something but yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like sharing my story could help the next person because yeah. um, I follow this artist called Manny Wells. Um, I think he's a DACA recipient and he makes Afrobeats Afro music just like me. And he started being a little bit more open about his situation. And that really like empowered me in a way, even though we're in different, differing situations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you never know who, who you can help by sharing your story. So I, I figured it would be cool to come. And on this platform as well. So, Thank you know. 
and and it's important it's important especially because uh when we think about too much about the immigration um you know topic here in the u.s we mostly think of latinos and we also we almost also think of light-skinned latinos you know or you know people who might look a little more indigenous we really don't look at our you know the black immigrant community you know whether they are from latin america or africa or haiti so seeing more you know black immigrants really helps because uh unfortunately a lot of times even in circles where i'm like you know talking about a march or rallies like oh we got people from honduras we got people from you know dr we got people from mexico i'm like you got you got people from you know the Congo? Do you have people from Haiti? Do you have people, you know, we don't look at our black brothers and sisters as immigrants and they're facing double the oppression. They're immigrants, you know, and black people and forgotten, you know? So that's, so that's why seeing you and you reaching out to me, I was like, I'd be honored to have you on my podcast because you're a voice that even I myself on this podcast have not had the privilege of getting too many people talk about their issues who are like from Africa. Mm. Well, thank you for having me. I'm happy to bring some nuance to the conversation because mm. um, it's true. Like whenever <laughs> on the like Fox News or something mm. talking about immigrants, they're talking mostly about, like you said, light-skinned Latinos. They're not talking about other white people who just mm. overstayed their visas. And now mm. they're like in a situation as well. And That's it's true. like... <laughs> That, that <laughs> is know, true, actually. Yeah, there's some like three hundred thousand Canadians that are undocumented in this country, and nobody, mm-hmm. nobody even like cares. Yeah, you know what I mean, because uh, they're country, white. Yeah, this country let in a million Ukrainians in the last year and a half. Listen. nobody cares. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah especially. So yeah. yeah, so that's um, yeah. So I'm glad. I am glad that you're 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 here sharing this with us. What is, <laughs> what is the uh, what's the next? steps for you what's the next sort of like with your music career or anything else like what are you what are you working for um that is such a loaded question because I feel like I already do so much so I I am a musician I'm a dancer content creator I am trying to expand in all of those avenues um and I, I'm just like right now I'm just trying to meet like the right person that could po- possibly help me um, find a pathway to citizenship or like getting a job. Cause I feel like the main thing that is holding me back is not being able to make money in this country, not being able to pay for projects and like pay producers, pay videographers to make content. Like everything you see of me on my YouTube, on, on Instagram, on TikTok, everything is self-produced. Cause I literally can't afford to do like the stuff that I have up here in my noggin. So, yeah. Um. yeah. You know, and, and I'm sorry, you know, you know, it's crazy. Like, I, I feel for you so much. Like when I started doing comedy when I was 18, you know, there was this, um, there's this like, it's like the Super Bowl of comedy. It's called the Montreal Comedy Festival. It's like where every comedian wants to go to because once a year they only invite a few from around the country for different reasons, like unwrapped or, you know, or new faces or whatever. And this is like Netflix is there. HBO is there. Hulu's there. Like they're looking at the next wave of comedians and who they are and everything. And for the first 12 years of doing stand-up comedy, I had to avoid like audition, like places that where I would go and perform that somebody might be like, Hey, you should come audition for the Montreal comedy festival. Cause I didn't want to tell them no, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, 
I was good. I was, you know, I've always listened. This, this is not even arrogant. I've always been funny ever since I was, I was ever since I was like in the third grade. My teachers are like, man, you are funny, but you disrupt the class. I'm like, but you already said I'm funny. So you lost. Okay. <laughs> so that was something that like really hurt me for years, you know, seeing all my friends like be able to go to Montreal and audition and see their careers move on. You know, I started off with Pete Davidson, Michael Chase, Ashir Sameda, all these people who made it Saturday Night Live, you know. And I was I was one of their contemporaries, but I had to, they didn't know I had to be in the shadows, you know. Mm -hmm. So there are so many pictures like of on, online of all these people who became famous. And the only thing that stopped me was that I couldn't, you know, go for these auditions, leave the country, help my career go to the next level. And then when I was finally able to, you know, I became uh vocal about the undocumented experience and became vocal about the racism and stand-up comedy. So then it became like another, like, so those years where I had everything going for me that could have gotten me to Montreal, couldn't go. And then when I finally had a little window where I could, it was like, well, now you're too radical or whatever. So it's like, mm. it, it, it's always felt like this reason why, like, I kept being rejected by this dream that I have mm -hmm. when I know I'm so good that I can hold my own amongst these people who you see on TV every day. But it was, it was these lack of status that stopped us, you know, from being able to achieve these goals. And I, and I fear for you, you know, like, you know, you'll have a long career, but there are those few years where you have, you know, you have the youth, you have the talent, you have the charisma, you have everything, but you can't go forward because of your status. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the, the main thing that's really, um, stopping me from from I feel like achieving my full potential so I'm, I'm using social media to my advantage I'm putting myself out there as much as possible um, I can thankfully travel within the United States so there's LA New York ATL Miami um, and just you know find something that works fi find a way because you know everything I was I've achieved so far has been through social media so I just know that you know, I I can double it. I'm a double it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I hope I hope that you know you're you're gonna continue to follow, find your success on social media for sure. But I hope that man one day you know it'll be like a rocket and just you know shoot for the star and get everything that you that you deserve because you know look at you you you're you have the right spirit like I said the right mentality for it the talent you know what I mean you could apply for Thank what is it called an O one visa that's 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 for prodigies you know what I mean <laughs> that's 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 not a you know it's not a small feat. Um, anything, uh, before we head out here, any, uh, anything you want to plug? Anything sure. you want to, yeah, let's plug. Um, okay. okay. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, so, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at A N G U E S O M X on TikTok at A N G U E S O M O and on YouTube under the same name. I make Afrobeats in Spanish, French, and English and Fang as well. Um, and yeah, feel free I mean, to follow if you would like, if not, it's okay. Love no, and light. <laughs> follow them. I'm telling you, not only will you get some great music, but you'll get some really dope perspectives. Like, you know, I know we're, we're about to finish up, but when you answered back to that, uh, Cuban, was she Cuban? The Cuban woman yes. who just, oh my God, so many people tagged me in that video and I had to watch yours a few times just to see how well you responded to it. Mm -hmm. Just to be like, what am I learning from you so I can respond back to that racist woman with a little more knowledge than, you know, than just like 
you fucking racist <laughs> asshole. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, nah, look at how you hurt my friend with this shit. You know what I mean? So it's like, Thank you. And the thing is, that thing wasn't even directed to me. It was directed to another Cuba, Cuban woman who happens to be black. So I yeah. think it was some beef happening, but I just stumbled upon that video because my followers love tagging me in that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I watched it. I got some background on the beef and I was like, mm, let me respond. So I responded. Um, and another thing, like, I feel because of the way I look, I, I feel like I have to respond in a certain way to be taken seriously. Like if I was to respond, like, oh, you're a, like the way I used to in like 2020. So you have to, I've just had to like, I guess, police myself, tone police myself in order to like, you know, because yeah. then there's the the whole music aspect of it, too, where um, I guess you don't want to turn people off to mm -hmm. you. Like there's just like some diplomacy that you have to exhibit in situations mm -hmm. like that. And I know I shouldn't have to tone police myself. I can really express myself the way I, I, I should be able to. But it's just like, I guess, branding. Listen, as someone who yells at white people, <laughs> literally, I'm yelling at them. Uh, I do get a lot of comments that people are like, hey, man, we like what you're saying. But if you could just be like a little more chill when you say it, mm -hmm. you might be able to go further. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, uh, you know, white people put our people in prison because of loud music all the time and, you know, volume control and all that stuff. So me yelling at them is my form of activism is my form of rebellion. Mm -hmm. So I want you to understand that I know I could speak softer. And actually when, when actually the most frustrating thing is when I make a video and a white person responds, like they stitch it with a calm and cool voice, like, wow, this guy is being so racist to me and my family who are just here colonizing Mexico. And it's just like, <laughs> of course I look crazy when you talk like that. Like, no, get up here. Start yelling a little bit. No, no, no. Don't do that. That, that, that white people, excuse me, can I talk to your manager? I'm being calm, but I'm yeah. about to get all of you fired. You're like, bitch, you're, you're causing more violence than I am. Yeah. So that's like, yeah. So I get, I understand that completely. And you're, you're doing, you know, you're doing it right by, you know, hey, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you. I have class and and style, but it's also it's probably it's also a male privilege that I get to yell a little bit. You know what I mean? That's so true. That's, that's privilege. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a privilege. Yeah. No, but I love your videos. Don't change a thing. And if anybody tells you to tone it down, show them the finger. <laughs> Man, I ain't I ain't do nothing. I don't want to do. All right. Hey, thank you so much for doing this today. Uh, I hope to see you on November 14th at this rally. And uh, and we'll we'll definitely stay in touch more. I would love to, you know, keep keep uh, keep up with your music and everything, and and promote you any way I can. Che, I appreciate that so much. Thank you for having me here. And uh, yeah, definitely stay in touch. We are mutuals on TikTok. You can't you you can't escape me. So. No, same here. <laughs> Take it easy. Bye. Bye. Like, subscribe, and comment at my undocumented ass podcast on TikTok and YouTube. Hey, hold right there. Don't dare skip this. This is an important message. Me and my boy, Albert Davis, we want to tell you about our podcast, Seriously Dad. Albert, why should they listen? Because it's the best podcast in the world. It's by two comedians who are dads. And you know what we're talking about? Being dads. It's called Seriously Dad. Check us out on social media at Seriously Dad Podcast. And anywhere you get your podcast, that's where we're at. We're funny. We got some great guests coming our way. We cover the topics you want to hear. Check us out.
This has been a Drop Tent Media production.